Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Ashley Bastock, and we are going to get you ready for Brown's mandatory mini camp. They will be they will practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We will be out there for all three. Uh, we got some player availability, some coach availability, so lots of coverage uh, coming up here. The last kind of big Browns event before training camp. They'll take some time off and then report to training camp on uh, July 22nd. Will be the first day of that at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. So, uh, Ashley, it's, I I just had one of those moments again today where it's like, Oh my God, it's June 5th. Like this is, this is happening. I know. I'm like, it's going to come. I feel like, and we've talked about this, like this summer is going to be like non-existent for us. Like I feel like it's (laughs) going to go by in two seconds. And then all of a sudden we're going to be in West Virginia and going through the whole thing. Like, I'm just really curious to see what this, extra long preseason is going to feel like I'm I'm not optimistic on how I'm going to feel by September but you know it's it's a change of scenery at least yeah um we've got that and then it's the hall of fame induction and then it's it's just it's going to be a whirlwind as soon as uh, as soon as everything starts but one thing at a time right one day at a time as andrew barry likes to say let's be where our feet are and let's talk about mandatory mini camp uh and you put up a post on monday morning three things to watch at brown's mandatory mini camp so i figured we just kind of go through that maybe i'd add some things as we go so why don't you start us off what's uh what's number one on the list yeah so probably unsurprising for um folks who have been hearing us talk about otas like we've been very defensive centric and pass catcher centric for the most part. But I started out with the defense because for me, like what I'm really interested to see this week is this will be the first time that we are going to see a Jim short scheme with all the key players there. And again, like kind of like OTAs, like we have to hedge our bets, right? Like there's not, it's not full contact. Like the defense isn't going to look exactly how it's going to look, but I'm really curious because Miles Garrett wasn't at either of the OTA sessions that we saw. Um, Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson were each only at one. So we really haven't seen those guys up front. And that's like the key part of a Jim Schwartz scheme, right? So the thing like with the caveat that contact isn't a thing, what I'm especially curious about is how Jim Schwartz is going to move those pieces around because we've been speculating about it, right? And throughout the defense, we've seen him do some interesting things with moving players around and playing them in different spots. So like, how much is Zadarius Smith going to line up inside? Is Miles going to line up inside? Who's going to be on the interior? Are we going to see multiple edge rushers out there at once? Are we going to see Obo Okoronkwo lining up more like a linebacker? Like these are all things I'm really curious about and it's really the first chance we're going to get to see them do that because all the key guys are actually going to have to be there. Yeah. That's one of the things in in like OTAs. It's so hard sometimes to get a read on the depth chart and and kind of see where guys are lining. Cause you know, with, with guys just not being there, you know, sometimes you get a second stringer who's getting a lot of reps. Sometimes you get a third stringer who's getting a lot of reps with miles and Zadarius now back in the fold. Uh, we might get a better idea of kind of how Oboe is going to look in all of this and where he's going to fit. And honestly, some of it is just eyeballs, right? I mean, when you yeah. when you used to walk out there and see Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney standing next to each other, it was like, oh, okay, this is this is pretty intimidating looking. <laughs> so that, mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it too. Like, I want to see Miles next to Zadarius, and I want to see all these interactions. And this is just a, a really good opportunity to see some of that stuff off to the side that you don't 
really get to see except for in the spring and during training camp. Yeah. And even like with Miles, like the thing I'm curious about is we know, like he talked about when we talked to him in April about that toe still bothering him. So like, I'm, I'm curious to like, see how much Miles is even going to do if we're going to hear from Miles this week, what he has to say about the toe. But like, it is those little things, right? Because I think like if we're out there and you see Miles Garrett alongside Zadarius Smith and like Dalvin Tomlinson, right? Like that's a totally new look from what we've seen. And especially like Miles and Zadarius, like assuming they're going to play a lot together, obviously, like I'm really curious to see how those two guys interact. And and we talked about Zadarius when, when we talked to him during the first week of OTAs and like, I came away from that press conference, like really liking his attitude and where he was at and things. Of course, there were some questions given how he left his last two teams, how it would be. I thought like he answered the questions about Miles in a way that almost surprised me, like totally knowing like he's coming into a situation where this is Miles's defense, but he has his own, you know, aspirations. And he was in the defensive player of the year discussion himself last year before he got hurt. So I'm just really fascinated too. Like I love like gleaning those little things and, and it kind of stinks like, cause we can't always report everything in that regard, right? Like we can't report things that are set in the field. And, and sometimes there's a lot of good things that just, you know, you can't talk about or write about specifically, but it is interesting. Like you kind of come away with a certain feel, I think from watching those interactions. And, and I'm curious what that's going to be like, just because again, the key player to all of this hasn't been at the sessions that we have been able to watch. You said something interesting about Miles too, and I'm I'm guessing we're going to hear from him one of these these yeah. two days that we have players available. It sort of has been a quiet off season for Miles. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we talked to him the when the off season program started, and they ran out a bunch of players. Uh, but we obviously, you know, he hasn't been there the days we've been there, so we haven't heard from him there. I feel like I don't know if it's just I haven't been paying attention or what, but I feel like I haven't seen as much social media from Miles to this point a little bit here and there a few workout videos some stuff when he was in LA but like I don't know I feel like this has been sort of a a weirdly quiet offseason so far for him yeah I agree you know it's not like the offseason where he's going around posting his basketball highlights what was that the 2020 offseason or 2021 offseason yeah I think, I think it was because right? Kevin yeah, well, it yeah. was 2020 because I remember sitting in my car on a Zoom call and Kevin saying he was <laughs> retiring, that Miles yeah. was retiring from basketball. Yeah, so I agree with you. But, you know, I think that's like what I want for Miles Garrett at this point. Like, I do want a quiet offseason, right? Um, especially given the last like few years, how his seasons have kind of come derailed. Like, I think less is more in that respect, right? And I think like, it's good to not just be out there constantly and doing things and, and especially knowing like he has this toe thing going on, which he kind of brought up again, like unprompted in April. You know, I asked him during that press conference or availability, I should say, like about the nagging injuries. And I was thinking specifically he would talk about the car wreck ones because the shoulder had been bothering him for so long. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, the toe is really, the, the car wreck's fine, but the toe is really the issue right now. And I was like, oh, like, that's interesting. I don't know if we were expecting that. Um, so I think knowing that and knowing how much, you know, negative noise he made last year, particularly with the car accident, I think less is more, quiet is good. I like that. It, it gives me hope that, you know, his head is in the right place in regards to just getting out there and doing the work, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Now, before we move to the offensive side, I, I want to throw one out there that I'm going to be watching. We've talked so much about the secondary, so I don't really want to talk about the secondary, but I do want to talk about the linebackers. Um, yeah. And this is a weird one because I don't think, you know, Sione Takitaki has been there. We're not going to see him on the field. I'd be shocked if, if we actually saw him doing anything on the field. Uh, Anthony Walker uh, has been there, but again, I'd be a little surprised if we saw him doing a ton on the field, um, if anything. But I do want to see sort of what the rest of the linebacking core looks like uh, with Jacob Phillips, who had a pick six when we were there last. Uh, Tony Fields. There's some other players that I want to see. You know, Obo Garanko, is he playing a little bit of linebacker? Is he standing up a little bit? I just want to see sort of what some of these other linebackers look like. Because we talked about this on, I think it was Friday, somebody asked about linebackers. And Mary Kay and I were saying, like, the thing about that position now in Jim Schwartz's defense is it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it's not as important as yeah. maybe some people want it to be. It really is just kind of go clean up the mess. And I think that's going to benefit a guy like JOK and Taki, some of these kind of downhill type players. Yeah, but I want to see, I, like, I want to see what these guys look like. I want to see the guys that we're going to be able to see on the field. I'd like to see kind of what they look like in, in this defense. Yeah, and, like, I'm also curious, like, to your point, because I agree with everything you said, right? Like, it's not that they don't matter, but, like, it's the closest to not mattering you can get on this defense because of that, right? Like, you're not going to see them necessarily have a starring role in terms of responsibilities. It is, like, that, to me, starts with the guys up front and then the linebackers, you're, you know, and that next level of the defense cleaning up anything and helping those guys as best you can. But to that point, it is going to help a guy, like, JOK, who kind of can fly all over the place. You see him at his best in the Ravens games, right? Because he's able to go kind of sideline to sideline. Taki Taki, who we saw do those things last year as well. Now, I'm curious to your point, like Taki's not going to be out there. I'm assuming I would be shocked. It would be something way ahead schedule as he's still recovering from that ACL. You know, he told us he thinks he'd probably be full go. We haven't talked to him since January, but back then he pointed to his return being somewhere in that like September, October range. So he's still a bit of ways, but I am curious, like guys like Jacob Phillips, guys like Tony Fields, like, Hey, you have a chance now because there's one less guy. And to your point, it's like, okay, well, are we going to see a lot of two linebacker sets because they want to throw an extra edge rusher out there, or they want to play, you know, in that three safety look, and that's where they're going to take that position from like there's a lot of different options that I think ultimately like we could see two true linebackers out there and then you have oboe in that third spot or again that nickel kind of look yeah just seeing all those formations and the, mm -hmm. the shape of it is, is always interesting especially with the new coordinator in town all right so now uh the second thing you had moves to the offensive side of the ball yeah, so this is something, and we've like talked about how we haven't really been paying attention to this that much. We actually, I think, may have touched on it in a late, later in the week pod last week. But I'm really curious to see, like, again, Nick Chubb hasn't been at these practices that we've gotten to watch. So what's going on with the running backs and what's going on behind Nick Chubb? Because I think, like, for me personally, right, when we're only at two OTAs and Nick isn't there, like watching the running backs for me became less of a priority compared to watching the defense, number one, and watching Deshaun with the pass catchers, number two, because those new guys were there. And every time we just kind of saw it, like I happened to see the running backs, you know, in 11 on 11s or, or whatever, um, it 
Jerome Ford was getting the ball, which like, yeah, that's like to be expected. Right. But I also am curious, like we joke about the Scott Patsko <laughs> Memorial Demetric Felton watch. Like, obviously we've talked about this. Demetric is going, I think in theory to have more of an opportunity in the running back room without Kareem Hunt there now. Um, and it's just, it seems like to me, his versatility being his strength, that that might be where his opportunity to get on the field comes from. But without Kareem there, without um, Dearness Johnson there, it is a much bigger question of what those reps look like and who's going to be in and what scenarios and who's maybe going to help like be a little bit more active in the passing game and things like that. Like, I do think like I do want to make when since we're out there three straight days, like make a concerted effort to watch what those guys are doing just because like without Nick there, it's just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, that can wait. That was kind of my thinking the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, you know, going back to, to Demetric, it's kind of like, you know, how are you going to get on the field? Right? Like where's the spot for you? Because at receiver, you've got Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin. I, I don't think they're going to bail on David Bell. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Anthony Schwartz is, is a guy who's on the bubble, but you know, you've got bodies at receiver that they're going to throw out there and that they want to get on the field. So, kind of weirdly, the the spot now is running back because Kareem Hunt's gone and Dearness Johnson is gone, and it is kind of wide open after Nick Chubb. So, uh, that that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch, and I do wonder if we're going to see a little bit of what that quarterback run game can look like, I I know that's really, I know that's hard to do when you can't hit the quarterback and you know, there's no contact and they obviously they want to protect Deshaun Watson, but I just, I wonder with Nick Chubb in the fold now, if we'll see a little bit more of, of kind of what that quarterback run game might look like. But I, I do know Kevin has said in the past, he sort of views the spring as a passing camp, which is why we see so much seven on seven and you don't see a lot of the run game. But I, you know, I'd like to see. So is there some read option? Does this sort of look like Philadelphia a little bit? Um, I, I just, I would love to kind of get a preview of that too. Yeah, and I remember even last year, like at this stage, this like OTA mini camp stage, and we talked about it a lot at the time. But it was especially striking, you know, having come from watching Baker Mayfield in those kind of settings. But last year specifically, it was like Deshaun versus Jacoby reps. But you really got a feel for what Deshaun could do with the RPO stuff. Like, that was, like, one of my biggest takeaways from these. And you just realize, like, especially seeing him back-to-back with Jacoby, like, how different that was going to look. And, like, what makes Deshaun um, a special player on the field regarding that stuff because of his athleticism. So I definitely think you make a great point, like... It's, it's not going to be the full picture again. None of this stuff really is. But but it is like a glimpse into, okay, how are they, you know, balancing this? What, how Deshaun's processing is and what that allows them to do in the run game and how that gets a guy like Nick involved or, or you know, even a, a Demetric Felton and things like that. So I do just think like it's not the whole picture again, and that's going to be the caveat the whole week. We're going to kind of temper what we see or expectations Um, but it is still, it's interesting. Like you can get glimpses of those things, I think at this early stage. So I want to talk a little bit about the receivers and obviously that's been the, that's sort of been the the thing at training camp. And of course, Alex Van Pelt getting goosebumps and, and all of that. Um, I think Elijah Moore is just really just more and more fascinating by the day, just what they're going to do with him and where they're going to line him up. So that that's kind of one of those things I'm watching too. Uh, Cause I think they can do so many different things with him. And there was a, 
there was a play last week where he kind of lined up in the backfield and then he motioned out. Uh, so it's, it's stuff like that. I want to see kind of where they put Elijah and kind of how they get the ball in his hands, which, you know, people are getting so tired of hearing this. It's like you said, we're going to say it over and over again. <laughs> I know. We're not going to see it all. And I think training camp will give us a better idea. But, I, you know, like I said, we we did see him line up in the backfield and motion out. We did see him, you know, he'll play in the slot. He'll play outside. They get him the ball quickly. I just want to see all the different ways they kind of try to utilize Elijah more, especially as we're in sort of this install period. Yeah, because, like, I think you can, like you said, Dan, you can move a guy like that around. And, like, ever since the Browns got him and Marquise Goodwin, like, everyone's been very careful to, like, differentiate the kind of speed they have, right? Like, Marquise, and we saw it last week already, is that vertical speed guy. And Elijah, to me, is more of, like, that football quickness guy. Like, you always hear people talk about there's a difference between speed and quickness. And, like, I think Elijah is both to some extent, but, like, you have the the go route guy in Marquise Goodwin. And Elijah, I think, is able to combine that speed with really good route running. And I like to think, you know, a lot of that is seems to be like the Amari Cooper influence on his game. And even though they haven't, you know, played together before, they're both South Florida guys in Elijah's introductory press conference. He talked about, you know, in in coming from South Florida. Basically, everyone's fast. The route running is how you differentiate yourself. Um, And that's why he's grown up looking up to a guy like Amari Cooper. So I am really curious, too. And like to build off that, like, what does it mean for a guy like David Bell, who had been playing in the slot, you know, because he's just a totally different player, does not have that speed. Um, And that's kind of, you know, we've always known that about David. They, They loved his hands and Again, he's a guy who knows how to get open, but does it in different ways. But I think we need to see more of that. I know you guys talked about that battle for for the receiver room and what would be to happen if DeAndre Hopkins came here and and how those spots suddenly get precarious for a guy like David Bell even. But I do think right now, just knowing how they can use Elijah Moore, um, we've seen Deshaun Watson connect with him is huge. And then also the other part of it for me, which I think I mentioned in my story, is like, David Njoku hasn't been at the two practices we've seen, and he's obviously going to be a big part in the pass game. So you're also adding the tight ends into the mix and how are they going to use David Njoku? How are they going to use Jordan Akins? Are we going to see Harrison Bryant get in? You know, when are we going to see him get in? Um, and all those things. I know you and I were kind of watching the, the tight end reps, and it actually looked like Harrison was maybe going before Jordan on some of them last week. So it's all interesting. Like, there's a lot to watch in the pass game, which, again, just kind of underscores why uh, we maybe haven't been paying as much attention to the running backs without Nick there and seeing, you know, even Dimitri working with the receivers a lot the last couple of weeks. So actually, let's let's talk real quickly about Njoku, too, uh, because that's, you know, when you brought up that name, I realized like, we just haven't talked a ton about the tight ends. We have talked a little bit about Jordan Akins, and, uh, you know, I think Harrison Bryant seems like more of the inline guy now. Njoku can do a little bit of both. Akins, you know, Mary Kay has talked about him lining up a lot in the slot. But I, I think seeing David Njoku actually on the field and again, seeing what they do with him. I mentioned Elijah Moore lining up in the backfield today you know, put Njoku back there as an H back and kind of motion him a little bit, just all the different things you can do with him. And obviously he's a guy that Kevin likes to get the football to. So does, you know, does his role look a little different now? Does he spend a little more time split out? Does he still work in line more? I I think seeing Deshaun and Njoku now in year two, I, I think that's certainly that that should probably be on our list of things we're watching over the next three days. 
Yeah, and I mean, especially just how much they're paying David Njoku, right? Like you, I think that that contract is always going to come up when we talk about him now, because, you know, last year he got kind of hampered with the injuries, foot injury or ankle injury, whatever it was, um, around the middle of the season. And you need him and Deshaun Watson to connect in the red zone, right? But then it also becomes curious of, well, Deshaun Watson and Jordan Aikens connected pretty well in the red zone, like, and, and historically... Deshaun has connected well with his tight ends in those scoring kind of situations. He did it really well with the Texans. Paul Anka obviously knows that as well. Paul Anka, my dog. He's a, he's a big, big <laughs> David Njoku fan. He's a big David Njoku fan, I guess. Uh, he's he's barking probably about, why don't the Browns use as much 13 personnel as they used to do? And, you know, he is just a baby dog. But I do have to explain of, hey, they, they have a much larger and more um, diverse receiving core than they had in the past. So they don't need to use 13 personnel anymore, but he he would love to give Kevin Stefanski a word about that. Um, but seriously, it's like, right, like I, I am curious how all this is going to work and how those personalities are going to kind of blend together. Again, just kind of talking about seeing guys um, off to the side and, and who Deshaun messes, meshes with, because that is, I think, ultimately what it what it's all about and how are you going to get David Njoku on the field? Like you're saying, those different alignment possibilities and, and knowing what he can do in the blocking game for you too. Like it's all interesting. And again, it kind of comes back to what I was talking about with the running backs. Like you said too, when that main guy's not there in OTAs, it kind of becomes even harder to glean possibilities and you're just not watching those position groups as much. So now we kind of have more of a reason to this week. Okay, we'll take a break and then listen. We're gonna get to really what everyone is there to watch uh, at the on the other side of this break. There we go. And uh, welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby and Ashley Bastock getting you ready for Browns mandatory minicamp practicing Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We will be out there for all three practices, and we were promised something from Bubba Ventrone last week, Ashley, and it's something we've all been waiting for. Yes, we were promised real kicking periods. We have not seen real kicking periods. They've been using, you know, the machine and for the most part, and Cade York would just kind of line up back there and go through his approach for a kickoff. Um, But we haven't seen Cade York kick at all yet. Um, And I'm very curious, like, what those kicking periods are going to be like. Now, again, the caveat is, and you'll agree with me on this, Dan, like, Cade York did so well in these kicking periods last year, right? Like, Throughout OTAs, throughout mini rookie mini camp, throughout regular mini camp, throughout training camp, like he just would not miss. I actually found like a bunch of our as I was writing multiple Kate York stories last week since he talked to me one on one. Um, found a bunch of like our old tweets. Remember the Eagles joint practice where you and I were just sitting there watching and we see him nail like three 62 yarders. We set Twitter on fire that day. Like Kate York has always done really well in those situations. So my point is it's not necessarily an indication of like, oh, have those problems with the missed kiss kicks, have they been fixed? Um, because Cade didn't really have that problem in these periods. But for me, it's more about like watching, like obviously, number one, like make sure that hasn't changed, right? Uh, but two, it's like watching Bubba Ventrone in these coaching situations. Like him and Cade seem to be on the same page. But I think overall, like I'm just more curious to see how Bubba is and what his energy is like, because I didn't get to cover him as a player, number one. Um, but Cade and other guys have said this too. I think like Mike Ford Jr. talked when he talked to us um, at the girls flag football event, he brought up, you know, how players have quickly 
like gotten this respect for Bubba since he's gotten it. And he's earned that respect very quickly. Cade said the same thing. And I think it's just because like, he is a former player. He knows how it is. Cade made this really interesting point of like, he's not afraid to correct somebody if they're doing something wrong, but he also gives guys the space they need to operate and like work through things on their own. Um, and we've said it before. It's like those special teams periods and practices are normally like some of the loudest periods that you get. Special teams coordinators are normally pretty animated and loud. Um, Mike Prefer always was, you know, in the practices I saw. So I think Bubba's going to take that to another level, though. And again, I'm going to say it before you say it, Dan. A guy who looks like he could go out there and still play if they really needed a 12th man in a pinch. Absolutely. He could suit up. If they, they should put him yes. on a practice squad or, yes. or something, just in case. I We talked about this last week, but I, I still think it's really interesting that Bubba kind of said that maybe Kate is a little too... And this is something you've kind of gotten at, too, when, when you've talked to Kate and, and you've written about him. Like, he's just... He thinks maybe too much. That's not the way Bubba put it exactly, but that was sort of based off what Bubba said he was kind of saying, that he just thinks too mm-hmm. much. And that's a tough thing to break. But also, you know, Kate put on shows last year when, when yeah. we were watching this stuff. So, again, I don't know how much we're going to learn watching him kick, but it's going to be good to see him kick and see, like you were saying, see Bubba interact with him and, and just kind of see where Kate is at. Um, and again, that's another guy, not that we need to, because you've talked to him a bunch already, yeah. but I'm sure I'm sure that's another guy we're likely to hear from this week. Yeah, that's what I was thinking and kind of why I wanted to talk to him. Um, and again, like... You know, I think Kate is interesting, and I think, like, part of the reason why I've been able to, as a reporter, like, get that stuff out of him, and, and Mary-Kate and I have alluded to this on here, like, I am a perfectionist myself, obviously not in a kicking way, I never kicked a football, but, like, you kind of understand that thinking, right? So, like, when I talked to him last week, you know, we talked about the kickoff rule, um, we talked about Bubba, we also talked about that, and I included, I think, a little bit of it, actually, in in a newsletter for our football insider subscribers, as well as my story. Um, But it's like now for him is the time to work on those mechanics and overwork those mechanics. And he said the plan is actually to phase that stuff out like later into training camp right before the season. So it's like, we're not even going to, we're going to see him working on that stuff still that was, he was overworking on into the season, but it's just like the plan for him and Bubba just sounds like by that point, it's like, you have to let the muscle memory and like take over at that point. Cade called it game mode last year at the end of the season. Um, So it is interesting, but I think for me right now, like, yes, I'm always curious to see how he's going to do. It's more about, watching Bubba and and that sort of thing. And those new special teams guys too, that they brought in like Mike Ford. Um, it, it, it's, I think just going to be a couple of interesting and animated practice periods this week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Kate is going to be ultimately like, I, I think, you know, Justin Tucker is a different, like, you know, saying a guy's going to be like Justin Tucker is not fair to anyone, but yeah, you know, Evan McPherson, of course we've seen what he's been able to do, but even he's had his struggles. But I also know, like whatever Cade's going to be, he's not the guy last year that was sending the ball so wide that it was just missing the, the kicking net behind it. Like I, he's not that yeah. guy. I think he is an NFL kicker to whatever level. I don't know exactly, but I think he's definitely a guy that can kick in the NFL for a long time. He just seemed so much more relaxed to me. Like, and even like I, I was kind of getting that vibe in January and I'm kind of getting that vibe now. Um, when I talked to him, there was about, you know, four 
ish games left in the season. And that was when he told me like, you know, this has tested everything for me, these missed kicks. Like he got pretty, like, I would say almost like surprisingly vulnerable about what a struggle it had been for him mentally. And like having to go through the same struggle that he went to as a freshman at LSU. And it was very, he had the same exact number of missed kicks at LSU. He kicked a lot more because they played so many games and that offense was crazy. That was the national championship year as a freshman. Um, But he did have 10 missed kicks total both seasons. Um, And I think he, he thought coming into the NFL last year that he wasn't going to have to worry about that. So he kind of like, didn't, take the precautions because he's like, well, I already went through this. So like, I'm going to focus on my mechanics. And I think as he started missing that perfectionism set in and he's like, well, I have to, it's my mechanics are obviously not right. And I have to focus in on this more when it wasn't the issue. It was actually detrimental to him because kicking is so mental. Um, And I, I think like when you talk to him now, he's like relaxed. Like he kind of talks about you know, feel like, feeling like the problem has been diagnosed and feeling more comfortable just being here another year. So uh, again, like, I think it's interesting to watch him in the preseason, but like, we're not going to really know the answers to this stuff until we're in the season and he's kicking in these games and especially kicking at Cleveland Brown stadium now and what that's going to look like. I, I wonder what last year would have been like for him if that Carolina game had not happened. I mean, for him, that's obviously a great moment and that's something that he's going to remember forever, right? But also it just created this, there was already so much hype because of camp and watching him kick in the preseason. And yeah, I mean, we were all tweeting out like, oh my God, you got to get to games early to watch this guy warm up. I mean, yeah, the level yeah. of hype was unbelievable. And then he does that. And it's uh, that week. I mean, they practically built a statue for Cade York oh gosh, outside of yeah. the stadium. I do wonder, like, how different is last year if just that kick doesn't exist? Especially because in hindsight, they didn't do anything last year anyway, so that win didn't mean a whole lot. But just if right. he didn't start his career with that, like, way, way up, there was almost no place to go but down for a rookie kicker. Right. Yeah. That's like it's it's the kind of um i don't know it's like he almost became like a prisoner of the moment and like not by his own doing it was like i've described that kick as you know the kick that launched a thousand tweets and t-shirts by local companies and it's true like it did and i do think like it was a lot to live up to and even if like it he says it doesn't bother him or it didn't bother him in real time like it's it's impossible to ignore that there was like maybe and we've talked about it right we're like gosh, after every game, the poor kid has a scrum around his locker. And, you know, I I wrote a big story on him that I had been working on before that kick and like a month or two months before he made that big kick. Um, And by the time it's like, gosh, like we, we kind of, I think, talked to him and heard from him so much more than you would hear from kicker on basically any other team so I'm I think I do think and I don't know if you get this feeling but I get this feeling kind of already like that that isn't gonna quite be the same clamoring to hear from him this year and I think that's like how it should be for a kicker right yeah I I I wonder actually you know I don't know I've never really paid that much attention but I wonder if like we talked to Cade more last year than any other kicker in the NFL had like a, an actual media scrum or like, yeah. Cause it wasn't just like one-on-ones. It would be like full on scrums to talk to him. It wasn't like one person here or there wanted to talk to him each week. It was pretty much everybody. Yeah. And even like the one-on-one stuff, like I just can't imagine. And 
look, he was a fourth round pick. I mean, that he was a big yeah, deal. That's part yeah. of it. You know, yes. it's not like we were just, you know, it's not like he was some undrafted rookie or something. He was obviously coming in very hyped up. So it makes sense in that regard. But, you know, I remember there were times the specialists were in a different spot in a locker room and like you'd barely even acknowledge their their existence. And after games, you wouldn't talk to them unless the guy missed a kick or made a big kick or, and obviously that happened a little bit with Kate, but like there were times when after games, I'd look over and there would be a scrum over there and it'd be like, like why, why, why are we all talking to Cade today? Like, do we really need to talk to Cade York after this game? Yeah. I mean, it is fascinating. And I do think part of it too, is just like, the market he's in, right? Like, I think, first of all, and I always say this about Cleveland fans, like when people ask me, like, Browns fans are the thing, and a lot of NFL fans are this way, but I think it's different in Cleveland. Like, Browns fans care about good offensive linemen. Like, I think they actually know what's going on more than a lot of fans of other teams do, and they care about good kicking. And I think, like, recency bias, a lot of it has to do with Joe Thomas and Phil Dawson. And the Browns have just had no stability since Phil Dawson. Like this is the first time in theory that they're going to have the same kicker two seasons in a row since they cut ties with Phil Dawson, which is crazy. That's like 10 years of instability at the position. Um, And just, I think that kind of adds to the hype that when you draft a guy that high, you're assuming that that stability comes with that when you take a guy in the fourth round. Um, And I I do just think like it is going to be an interesting watch all year it might not be the full picture. Again, you could play like a drinking game with us saying that about the preseason. It might not be the full picture in training camp, but I do think like for me, more importantly, how Bubba is, how how everyone else is, obviously like hopefully Kate doesn't miss any kicks for his sake because um, you are watching those things still. Okay, like we've said, mini camp is this week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We will be out in Berea watching practice. Uh, we got players, we've got some assistant coaches we're going to talk to at the end of the week. So it's going to be a busy week for sure. Great time to check out Football Insider, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter uh, every day get texts. Uh, We'll be texting during practice, after practice, so you want to get involved with that. And of course, you can get access to stories on our Browns page that are behind that paywall. So again, just go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, and a great opportunity to check out our YouTube channel as well. We'll have highlights. Uh, I've been putting up some shorts uh, over there as well. So, and, and of course we do videos off this pod and videos from practice. So go to YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com and you will find us there. And of course, get subscribed to this podcast uh, on Apple podcasts and Spotify. If you are not already, uh, we'll have Mary Kay back from her, uh, her jaunt to Canada tomorrow on the podcast. Uh, but for now for Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to everybody.